or find me and I'll answer more questions that you may have about it. Um, just very briefly, um, last week Tammy was talking, and, or Sparkle as she's now known, <laughs> and she was talking about the gifts that God has given all of us. And um, I don't know if they're here or not today, but Ann and I had a little, a fam- not a little family, a family sitting in front of us, and there was a little guy sitting there, and after Tammy said that about all of us have gifts, he turned to his mom and, Mom, do I have gifts? No. So cute. And didn't hear the mom's reply, but I'm assuming, I'm hoping she said yes, that we all have gifts, that God's given every single one of you gifts and talents for his good to build the kingdom with. And one of the ISIM classes that will be offered this coming semester on the 28th is called Supernatural Living, and he goes very into depth some of the gifts that the Holy Spirit brings for us to build the kingdom of God with. So if you would bring up that first slide, guys. The title of my message today is Life is Short. Anybody disagree with that? But when you hear that that phrase, life is short, what comes after that? Life is short. This life, the one we're living right now. Life is short. So party more, right? Life is short. Travel more. Make the best of it. Okay? Life is short. Make amends with your family. All kinds of things we could fill into that, right? We only have so many days to walk this earth. Okay? The natural life that we're living right now in this body, in this flesh, it's limited. Um, I've had, you know, unfortunately, we celebrated... um, or we memorialized a young baby that died a few weeks ago, a month ago. I also have a lady coming into my office that's going to turn 97 pretty soon. So we've got a spectrum of what life is represented by here. But in God's perspective, whether you're four days old and go to meet him, or you're 97 and go to meet him, in God's perspective, life is still short. The time that we have walking on this planet is relatively short if we look at it from God's perspective. And in John chapter 9, verse 4, and depends on the translation you read, it says, Jesus said that we must be doing the works of him who sent me. Who's we? Jesus said it. In some translations, it only says, I must do the works of him who sent me. But other translations say, we must do the works of him who sent me. And that's the translation I'm going to use for this particular message is, who is we? The body of Christ. We are who Jesus is talking about. Is that the works that Jesus came to do, we've been given the same task. It's like Jesus came with a baton and he handed it off to us. We must be doing the works of him who sent him. And in Ephesians 2.10, it says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And again, always have to bring some clarification there, is do works bring you salvation? Absolutely not. There's a lot of cults, a lot of religions that will teach that, that by doing good things, by talking to so many people and telling them truth, is that's how you get into heaven. That's how you earn your salvation. Can we earn our salvation? Absolutely not. We don't have enough time because life is short 
to do enough good things to earn our salvation. That's the whole point of the cross. That's the whole point of the season that we're coming into is with Resurrection Sunday coming, Good Friday, all the things that are represented in this season, these holidays that we're coming up to, is Jesus wouldn't have done any of that if we could earn it for ourselves. But we can't do it. And so once salvation has been given, once we've accepted our salvation, now we start doing the works of him who sent Jesus, who created us for his purposes. And so with my message today, life being short, does anybody wonder sometimes when Tammy, AJ, myself, we get up here and we preach a message, how did we come up with this message? All right. I'm going to give you three options. We're going to take a poll here, a pop quiz for you guys on how this message came to be. The first option you had is God gave me a word of knowledge after a week-long fast. Okay, that's option A. Option B is I had a deep theological discussion with someone in here, and it just really prompted this message. Option C is my wife saw a billboard. What do you think? A, B, or C, people? That's how deep I get sometimes. But that's what happened. Um, Anne saw a billboard. I didn't even see it. She saw it, and she pointed it, or she talked to me about it. And to backtrack just a little bit, at the beginning of this month, Ann and I went to a marriage conference. And we went there for a number of different reasons. Ann and I's heart has been that marriages need to be made stronger. Ann and I have been married for 33 years. Ann, raise your hand. Everybody know my wife, Ann? Okay. We want to have a better marriage. Our marriage is not perfect. We have things we need to work on. We've never taken the ISIM classes together. Hmm. Maybe Ann's on. <laughs> Ann? Um, so we were at the marriage conference for a number of different reasons. We wanted to improve our marriage personally. We want to become a better couple, a more godly couple. We wanted to gain wisdom and knowledge because Ann and I do a lot of marriage counseling, a lot of pre-marriage counseling. And so we wanted to have more tools, more knowledge, so that when we're talking to couples, we have more that we can give them, not just our own experience, which is a lot of it, is how God has taught us and the things he's brought us through. And we also want to scout it out to kind of check it out a little bit more thoroughly and see what it is. Because one of the things that we have looking into the future is we may want to do this like as a couple's retreat, is that who in here as a couple wants to have a stronger marriage? Well, let's go do this together. And so those are some of the reasons that we had for going to this marriage conference. Does anyone in here doubt that Satan detests? He hates godly marriages. Any doubters in here? Okay. Satan's plan is to kill, steal, and destroy. And if he can destroy a marriage that was brought forth in a covenant with God, what's that do to the family? What's it do to the church that family's part of? It's going to kill it's going to steal. It's going to destroy. It's going to break things apart. And so Satan's whole purpose is to take things that God has created and tear them apart, make a mockery of them, break them so that there are no witness in them or a bad witness. So Ann and I were down at this conference, and 
we're driving, we're actually going to see our son. And Josh, can you bring that slide up? Our son also happens to live near where this conference was, so we were able to go and see him. And we're also able to meet our newest grandson. Okay? And that's not him. There he is. Our newest little addition there, Cruz Jameson Van Houten. And so as we were driving from the conference to go meet our fifth grandchild, our newest grandchild, and as we're driving along, Ann sees this billboard. Bring up that slide if you would, Josh. Say bye to Cruz. Life is short. Dramatic pause. Life is short. Get a divorce. And as Kristen said, this was a divorce attorney. Um, I went on, I, we didn't actually see the sign again. I'm not sure where it was. I was going to have Ann take a picture of it so we could actually use that sign. I went online to find a sign and we couldn't put the pictures up that the signs actually represent the pornography basically on some of them. Is this was divorce attorneys and can you blame them? There's money to be made, right? And so if you can convince people that the life is short, get a divorce, they're making money. They don't care about your family. So when Ann pointed that sign out and she commented on it, it just spurred this whole, tri just triggered this whole flood of things in my mind. And so there's the deep theology. Ann saw a billboard and God used that to trigger a whole series of things just poured into me. And so the message of that billboard is that life is short. So break your vows. And actually, my wife is great. That I'm, it's easy for me to bring truth. This is what the Word of God says. But I also need to temper it with love, right? Love and truth. So those of you that may be sitting here that are divorced, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm not trying to say that you did something wrong. You may not have any part, or you had very limited control over what happened to you. And so please hear it from that perspective, that heart, is that what you did, you may not be responsible for. That Satan used something to tear a family apart, to cause divorce to come into your family. But the message that I want you to hear is that this whole billboard, this whole thing that Satan is using, is he's trying to get us to break our vows. That marriage is a commitment. It's not something you just, you know, float along and everything's great. You got to work at this thing. Any of you have an easy marriage that you didn't have to do any work in? Okay, I better not see any hands. Because we're also told that, you know, we don't want to be liars. But if he can destroy families, if he can give, have you give up on working on the relationship with your wife, your husband, whichever case it has to be, is he wins. He breaks apart families. And why does this happen? And I'm just going to talk from a male perspective. It happens because I'm selfish. Because it's easier for me to walk away from something and have a fresh start than it is to sacrifice myself, to submit myself to the word of God. It's easier to do that. It's easier to not fulfill the marriage covenant because probably every one of you that had a traditional marriage and you stood up and you said vows, 
is for better or for worse, in sickness and health. Okay? It's easy to do the positive parts of those. And as long as everything's better, if everything's healthy, if everything's joyful, this is a great marriage. But if there's sickness, if there's worse, if there's the antagonistic part of the vows, then I don't want to keep working on that. It's easier to walk away from it, and there's something better somewhere else, isn't there? The grass is always greener somewhere else. And if there's any little kids in here, close their ears. One of the biggest issues and one of the things that this billboard was trying to point out is life is short. Why are you only having sex with one person? Get a divorce. And you can have sex with whoever you want, and there will be no guilt or shame attached to it. Is that God's plan? Absolutely not. And so this whole billboard and the thing that sprung on me was that God has a plan and God has a purpose for marriage. It's to represent him. Is that when you have a husband and a wife come together and they make a covenant between themselves and God, it glorifies God. And even in the struggles, it can glorify God if there's work that's being put into it. So I have four points that I want to bring out of this whole billboard. Life is short, so repent of your sins. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, so if I'm talking to anybody in here that does not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, today's a day of salvation. Life is short. Why wait another day to say, Jesus, my life is yours. Bring your life to the altar. Bring your life to you know, AJ, to Brian, to one of the elders, and we can talk to you about what salvation means. So if that's something you're not sure what I'm talking about, today is the day of salvation, that when you have sins in your life, those are things that you've done that go contrary to God's plan and your, his love for you. You've broken his commandments. And so the word of God says, repent. Turn away from your sin. Ask for forgiveness and say, Lord, forgive me for the sins I've committed. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, that your sins be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you don't know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, do you have access to the Holy Spirit? It's like, if you will, it's an exclusive club. That if you don't know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit and his gifts aren't for you. You can't tap into the wisdom. You can't tap into the knowledge, the healing, the miracles, the tongues, the interpretation of tongues, the prophecy. All the things that the Holy Spirit brings to us as believers in Jesus Christ are only for those that have given their lives over to Jesus Christ. Right. So repent and be baptized, it says. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 says, Repent and turn to God so your sins may be wiped out. And this is the part that we really need to hold on to, is that repent and turn to God so your sins may be wiped out in times of refreshing may come from the Lord. How many of you need refreshing in your life? How many of you have been battling whatever the issues are in your life? Repent and turn to God. And it says times of refreshing will come to you. Ladies, you can check out for a few moments if you want. This is only for us guys. Okay, so all you married guys. How many married men do I have in here right now? Okay, turn to 1 Peter. 
1 Peter chapter 3. All you women ignoring me? All right, good. All right, guys, listen up. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. It says, Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto your wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. So that's a commandment for us guys, right? If you're married, that's what we're commanded to do. What's the rest of it? that your prayers are not hindered. So what can we imply from that? That if I'm not treating my wife like Christ treated the church, does God hear my prayers? You guys don't want to answer that one, do you? If I'm not treating my wife like Christ treated the church, loved the church, gave himself totally for it, my prayers are hindered. So it doesn't matter what I'm asking for. Until I repent of the way I've treated my wife, Peter instructs the church that your prayers are hindered. So guys, do you want a great marriage? A joy-filled family? A healthy church? Love your wife like Christ did. Love your wife like Christ loves the church. And that will break down barriers. It'll break down the things that are holding you back from fulfilling the, God, the plans that God has for you and your, for your wife and your couple, you as a couple. So be sacrificial. Second point is life is short. Forgive those who have sinned against you. That's a good one, isn't it? Amen. Who wants to forgive somebody that's abused them? Is it a natural thing? If someone has beaten you, if someone has lied to you, if someone has sinned against you, is it natural to say, I forgive you? Okay. Is it a Christ-like thing? And are we called to be like Christ? So forgiving another person that has wronged you is being like Christ. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And a lot of people like to strike verse 15 out of their Bibles. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So there's contingencies, isn't there? Is that if I don't forgive you for abusing me, does God forgive me? There's contingencies all through the Bible. Jesus said, you're my friends if you obey my commandments. Follow after me. Take up your cross. There's so many things where Jesus said, we have a part to play in this. He did all he could do by dying on the cross. But now we have to take it up and say, I no longer live to myself, but I'm living for Christ to glorify him and bring people into the kingdom. So when we say life is short, and then we say forgive other people, there's difficulty in that. But we also need to take scripture to heart, and it says that if I don't forgive you for sinning against me, God says, I'm not forgiving you. 
Colossians 3.13 says, forgive whatever grievances you have against each other. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And how did he forgive us? Completely, right? What part of or how much of himself did he give? He sacrificed it all. He said, you take my life and I'm going to nail it to the cross and die in your place. There's no more that he could do. He died on the cross, shed his blood, and rose again on the third day and sits at the right hand of the Father now. So he has done all that he can do to make our life complete in him. But we have to follow his example. We have to forgive as he forgave. Third point I want to make. Life is short, so reconcile. What is reconciliation? It means restoring broken relationships to a former state of harmony. It often involves making amends with those that have been hurt or wronged, that you have hurt or wronged in some way. And God is the author of reconciliation, right? Amen. Turn to Romans. And before I was a Christian and I started reading the Bible, this is one of the verses that really struck me. It is Romans chapter 5. Get to there first. And as many of you know, I enjoy history, uh, do a lot of reading, have learned a lot over the years. And one of the things that if you read any accounts of history, this word is going to, that's why it popped out to me so much, is I'm going to read Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. So if you're there in your Bibles, read along with me. Verse, chapter 5, verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commends his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. And so... I remember reading that verse, and the part of it that really stood out to me was it says when, in verse 10, when I was his enemy. And again, just from a historical perspective, is that if you have an enemy in your life, is it someone that you buddy up to? Is it somebody that you are friendly with? Or is it somebody you want to kill? Avoid. An enemy is something that God called us. And so when we read that word, that's what God said about us, that we are his enemies. And all of us sitting here, we weren't alive when Jesus came, were we? But yet God's plan was so perfect. His timing was so perfect that in God's plan of creation, he knew who we were. And he said, you're my enemies, but I'm still going to send Jesus to die on the cross for you 2,000 years before you're ever born. And so that's the plan that he has. The plan that he says, I love you so much that I'm not only going to forgive you, but he also wants to reconcile the relationship. If you look back into Genesis and the relationship that God had with Adam and Eve, perfect harmony, perfect fellowship. They walked with God. They talked with God. 
he revealed himself to them, taught him his ways. And when sin entered in, it broke that perfect relationship. The harmony was broken. And so what Jesus came to do was to, to bring back the harmony, to fix what was broken. And if you've repented of your sins and made Jesus the Lord of your life, this is part of the work that we have to do from this day forward. From your day of salvation, you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And in 2 Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, In Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who received us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God is committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal to a lost and dying world through us. Did you get that? We've been given the ministry of reconciliation to take the good news of Jesus Christ and bring it to a lost and dying world, a world going to hell and saying, your creator, your father, wants to reconcile your relationship back with him. Is that something worth celebrating? Amen. Something worth saying, Lord, you are holy. I don't understand it all, but do I have to? The ministry of reconciliation is a plan that Satan also detests. Because if you have a broken relationship with someone, if you have a broken relationship with a brother and sister in Christ, where's God's victory in that? But if the ministry of reconciliation can bring back together a brother and sister in Christ, a husband and wife, and there's reconciliation, there's repentance, there's forgiveness, and then reconciliation, does God get the glory for that? Does it testify to other couples that there's hope in Jesus Christ? That's why reconciliation, reconciliation is so important. That's why the opportunity God has given us is to be his ambassadors. My final point is life is short. Josh, bring up that slide again, please. The other one. So fourth point, life is short. Get a divorce. Am I contradicting myself? I'm going to tell you to get a divorce, not from your spouse or from the church, but divorce yourself from the world. Break the hold that the world has on you. Get a divorce from sin. Get a divorce from conforming to the world. Romans 12.2 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't act like the unsaved. Don't think like the unsaved. Don't talk like the unsaved. Divorce yourself from being conformed to the world. Life is short, people. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. So what are you going to do with today? What are you going to do with tomorrow if God blesses you with another day? Are you going to wake up praising him and saying, Lord, you're holy? I may wake up and I may not move real great. You're still holy. Lord, there's another six inches of snow out there. You're still holy. Life is short. Divorce yourself from the things that do not build the kingdom of God. Break, your, break the pattern. Break the things that have a hold on you 
that are not building you up in Christ. And in 2 Corinthians 6.14, it says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. And that's not saying don't, obviously we have to go to unbelievers and share the good news of Jesus Christ. But it's saying don't be yoked with them because when you're yoked, if you, any of you farmers with oxen in here, there are still some around here, is that a yoke of oxen has a purpose that they're working together to do something. And so when Paul teaches the Corinthians here to not be yoked with unbelievers, that means don't be yoked with them in their sin. Don't be yoked with them in their addiction, their perversion, whatever it happens to be, is break the bond. Divorce yourself from unbelievers' way of life. Don't continue walking in the ways of the world. Break yourself from those things. Divorce yourself from them and take on the image of Christ. And it goes on in 2 Corinthians 6 to say, For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship does light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and the wicked? There is none. So if there's any aspect of your life, if there's any, the sin that so easily besets us is one of the scriptures that we're told, is if you have any addiction, if you have any issues that you keep falling back into sin from, divorce them. Break the ties that they have on you. And sometimes that requires breaking the ties that you have with certain people for a season while you heal, while you grow in the maturity of Christ. And then when you've grown and you've broken that bondage, now you can go back to that person and say, I'm a new creation. The sins that used to have a hold on my life no longer do because of the work of Jesus Christ, and this is how he helped me. That's the ambassadorship that we have, is when God delivers you from something, that's the ministry that you now have. So life is short. Divorce yourself from sin. Divorce yourself from wickedness. Divorce yourself from anything that isn't in harmony with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So life is short. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with the days that God has blessed us with to walk this earth and be his representatives? Life is short. Everybody would stand with me this morning. We'll close in prayer. AJ, if you'd go ahead and bring some keys in the background. And I know the message I bring sometimes may seem a little hard, a little, you know, even heavy. But God wants to break things out of our life. And sometimes we have to hear a truth that may not sit right with you at first, but it's God's love that brings it. Thank you, Julie is if the Christian life were easy, everybody would do it. But it requires a commitment. It requires sacrifice. It requires us to do things that aren't comfortable. To lay things down at the cross and say, Jesus, please take this from me. Because apart from you, I have no hope. I have no ability or strength in myself to rid myself of these burdens, of these bondages that come on me. And so, Brian and Donna, if you guys could come forward and um, Ann, come on up. Is if any of you would like prayer because of a situation that you're going through in your life, if your marriage is struggling, if you're, you know, having just difficulties in any area, 
stay at your seat and pray together. You know, if you're a husband and a wife and you're having these struggles or these issues, turn and face each other and ask for forgiveness, repent. But if you would like us to pray with you, please come forward and we will be more than willing to do that. Otherwise, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that in spite of what we see, in spite of what we feel, you are holy. And your love knows no bounds that cannot overcome anything that we're going through, that there is no sin, there is no wounds in our life that you cannot overcome. Jesus, you paid all the price. You brought all that we need by your sacrifice on the cross. You gave us your word to to look into, to study. And Lord, just help us to be a people of the word that we will not go a day without digging into your word, without hearing your word and allowing it to strengthen us and bring us hope for the coming days. So as we go forth from here, Lord, bless us with safety as we travel, but also bless us with open eyes and open ears to to know when to approach someone, how to approach someone in in your love and in your truth. We give you the glory, we give you the honor for all that is going to be done with these people, through these people, and through this body of believers that your name will be glorified, that the darkness will be pushed back, and that there will be hope in this world because your people stand up and proclaim proclaim your name openly. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So if any of you would like prayer for anything, come forwards. Be blessed. Have a great day.